0: Welcome to Man Strong Podcast. This is your host Clint Locklear, sitting out on a porch, pretty much uh, dog watching for a neighbor. Uh, one of them's not feeling too good; he's in the hospital. So, if you hear some barking, the dog gets excited. You'll know what it is. You may hear some wind or leaves, or I don't know. But uh, I wanted to talk about a few things and I want you to realize something whenever you believe something because I've had conversations with I've had a few things happen in the last week or so me and my wife went down to Mexico and uh, I wish I could say it was a vacation where we're you know drinking margaritas and eating nothing but tacos and having lots of vacation sex and hanging out on the beach but she actually went and uh, had stem cells where she's torn her meniscus. And we come to find out she's also got a torn ACL. So we're looking around and, uh, you know, we're looking at different options and this, that, and the other. And stem cells kept coming up. I've heard Joe Rogan talk about it and I've heard other people in other podcasts talk about it. So we start doing research, and we're we're looking at uh, we were looking at Mexico, we were looking at Costa Rica, we've looked here in America, um, and I think somewhere else, different places. And she went and visited uh, one of the places that have a good reputation here in America, but we chose not to do that for the simple fact that the FDA, which Here's lately this seems to be and this is where are you a bee or are you a fly? Because I could be a bee or I could be a fly and I really don't know. but there's we can't even find side effects for stem cell, but we can find a lot of you know reasons to take stem cells. It's been around now for about 20 years. And if you don't know what that is, they actually take stem cells either from your bone marrow or from the umbilical cord uh, from a baby that's been born and the mother agrees to donate it, or the placenta around the baby, or bone marrow from someone else. And then you take that and you clean it and you have stem cells in there, and these stem cells, from what I understand from reading about it, your body produces those the whole time. You have them in you all the time. That's like, you know, you get a cut and that's what kicks in to help heal it. If you, you know, hurt your shoulder, that's what kicks in. There's a chemical reaction that causes from the stem cells to other cells that help in rebuilding tissue. So. What they're doing is they're trying to supercharge this process by by running uh, stem cells like around her, my wife, her meniscus, and you don't take any type of anti-inflammatory and stuff like that. Uh, no drinking for quite a while. Anything that'll slow down what the stem cells are doing, and hopefully, which it seems to do a majority of the time, but not a hundred percent of the time, it actually. Enhances your ability to, to rebuild structure in your body, tissues, tendons, ligaments, muscles, uh, stuff like that. It's it's even seems like uh, if you take it intravenously, which she also took, that it can it just goes around your body and it finds stuff that's wrong and it because of what it is, it just kind of kicks stuff into overdrive to heal it. But here in America, the FDA, which I don't know of anybody except very blind people now thinks the FDA is not a political front for doctors and mostly for pharmaceuticals after all of the, the stuff that's been going on. They've come out and just here recently and they will not allow stem cells to be manufactured or bought in America. Now if you have them in stock is what we were told you can use them up but once that's gone that's gone. So because there's now such a limited supply you can't get the amount of stem cells in America as you could. Now being in America I'm not going to tell you what the stem cells cost because it, it there's a lot of variances to what you get uh, when you do that but it is expensive it's like a good use car expensive. But if you want to do it in America, where you don't get the amount that you get in another country, it's new car expensive. For the same treatment, but less. And when we found that out, I was just absolutely blown away. How is this possible? Why would the FDA restrict something that we can't even, you know, because you can find side effects, I mean, according to the, 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 you know, the WHO, you know, the big national health organization, or the World Health Association, that water, if drinking at a certain amount, can cause cancer and death. So, you can find side effects on anything. And we just really could not find side effects on stem cells. Then I get to start thinking about it. And I'm, I'm just going, I guarantee you, the pharmaceutical companies do not want stem cells to become popular in America because that's going to cut into their profit. And you're going to, and a lot of people are going to hear that and they're going to go, "Well, that's just crazy. You know, the doctors just want what's best for the patients. The pharmaceutical companies just want what is best for the patients. They're trying to produce the best medicine and this, that, and the other. And sometimes I think that is true. I think it's really about a wash. Because if you look at the pharmaceutical companies, and you and I suggest you go to DuckDuckGo and not Google, just start looking at Pfizer and Moderna and J&J and all these pharmaceutical companies, how many in the volume of money they've been fined because of fraud because of hiding evidence, because of killing people because they hide evidence, because of bribing doctors to push their product. And now what's went so far is to what seems to be from a logical, rational point of view is they're actually bribing government officials and governments to push their new drugs. Now, they say it's safe, but at the same time, they don't want to have any backlash for anything that happens because of their drugs. Now, if it's a good product, that's not something you're really worried about. But if you know it's a bad product, that's the only way a company's going to put that out, or they're going to be litigated out of existence. And these companies, as big as they are, I think it's Pfizer, a couple of years ago, got hit with a $1.3 billion dollar fine for fraud and bribing doctors. So from a logical point of view, and I want to talk a little bit about thinking like a stoic when you think about Greeks and, and where we come up with a lot of the philosophy and different things like that. Oh boy, my cat hears me and it's going to come up on this dog's. So I don't know what's getting ready to happen. Um, one of the main things that you look at from a stoic is what is the nature of something. Like a car, what's the nature of a car? It's transportation. <laughs> It, it moves down a road or a field or something. That's its nature. What is the nature of a predator? It eats prey. It doesn't think about the prey. It doesn't uh, feel sorry for the prey. That's what the nature of it is. If in, in To look at things logically you have to look at what is the nature of something the nature of the military is to break destroy and kill things that's the nature that's what we were trained in the military for that is the nature it's not a police force it's not to build schools it's to break and kill things that, that that's that's what the mil- that's the nature of any military on the opposite end if you look at the nature Of police today the nature used to be protect and serve now it's revenue enhancement and there's a little bit of protection but there's a whole lot of bullying going on so the nature of things can change over time so it's not set in stone so when I look around the world today I want to look at what is the nature of something, like what is the nature of government? It's to seek more power. That is the true nature of people that want to be in government. They seek power. Most of the time it's because they're beta males and when you give beta males any type of power they abuse it because they want to abuse it because it gives them a great sense of superiority and the feeling of power. And when you look around bureaucrats and most politicians they're mostly just gonna be very weak beta males that thrive on telling other people what to do. That is the nature of a politician. Where it used to be, like in George Washington time, that was not the purpose of a politician. But that is what they are today. That's their nature. Back to the bees, just keep with me here. I've I've got somewhat of a coherent thought I'm trying to work out. There's an old phrase. A bee never wastes its time explaining to a fly that honey tastes better than shit. Let me say that one more time. A bee does not waste his time trying to convince a fly that honey tastes better than shit because the bee is going to be wasting his time and a fly is not going to believe him anyway. Because if you got some honey or you got a big pile of feces, we all know where the fly is going to go first. <laughs> it's, it's kind of like that's also their nature. So when I look around, And I look what's going on with a lot of things. I've had some things happen when I was down in Mexico that kind of blew me away. I had a lady have a full meltdown on me at the resort because I'm going from my room, which is an open hallway, to an elevator, to an open outside place it's it's huge with a pool but the only time we're going to be enclosed at all was this elevator for maybe 15 seconds and she had a meltdown because I didn't have a mask like I didn't prepare for that 15 seconds with her safety now when she walked down the hallway she didn't have her mask on but when she got to the elevator, she put hers on and looked around and saw that I didn't have mine on and she thought that she had this like virtuous uh, obligation to raise her voice and ask me if I was going to put a mask on. And I, my, my first thing in my head was, no, this is ridiculous. For the next four hours, we're both going to be around the same area. and But for this 15 seconds, you think it's life or death if I have a mask on, and you have a mask on. And when I just said no, she bowed up like a rooster. She was probably 70. I can guesstimate where she comes from, which could be somewhat of a culture issue, she's from America. where. Just being rude is kind of a fact of life. Being from the South, that is not the way that that, uh, we roll down here. So when she started about being enclosed in the CDC, I just looked her dead in the eyes, and I raised my hand up between me and her, and I'd have said, that's enough. And she hesitated, and she started again. And I was like, that's fucking enough. And she didn't know what to do. So she spun around and she walked down the stairs with her mask on. Now I saw her a minute later with no mask on. Around other people, within three feet of people. So to me, to explain that the, F- F- the CDCs now come out and basically said that the masks don't do anything after they originally said they don't do anything, and then they did do something, but now it's it's the science that they don't do anything. It would have just been wasted because she would have went to the feces no matter what, no matter how much honey was in front of her. I've talked to another friend that has both vaccines and the booster. Both of them, they're married and both of them have got COVID and she still 100% believes in the vaccine. I mean that would be like to me going well okay you now have 14 kids and you can't afford them why don't you use a condom and she goes we do but we poke holes in them so that so it can breathe better so you you got a condom that doesn't work you're still getting pregnant but you're still putting a condom on no one would think that was logical nor rational but this friend thought that that is 100% logical and rational. And when asked just how many boosters are you going to take, she basically looked at me and said I don't care, I'll take one every month or every year. So we go back to the condom thing. When do you decide that something doesn't work? When does logic and reason come into play at all? My my wife put her hand on my leg was like just just stop. Because the next thing that was said was, "Yes, I I've I've had both vaccines and a booster and I got COVID, but it would have been worse if I didn't have the vaccine." Now where did that come from? Let's go back to using logic and reason. The person and the people that you know their nature is power and money, pharmaceutical companies, CDC, NIH, and politicians, and the media told everyone that if you get the vaccine, which is not a vaccine by any stretch of the imagination, you wouldn't get COVID and you wouldn't spread COVID. Well, now when you look at data, actual raw data, you have a better chance of ending up in the hospital with COVID if you're vaccinated. So you're actually safer now without the vaccine from COVID than you are with the the vaccine. That's just raw data. That's not an opinion. That's just raw data. People that are 100% vaccine get on a cruise ship. Most of them have COVID when they come off. Well, that didn't come from the unvaccinated. Scientists in Antarctica where they're not around anybody and they're all vaccinated. Somehow COVID must have flew in on a penguin's butt and got somebody infected in this camp in the ice and snow and most majority of them also had COVID. 100% vaccinated.
1: Where, where, Where
0: in the world does this come from where the lack of logic and the lack of reasoning is starting to work? When you look at the people that are making the rules, remember their nature, power and money, they absolutely try to make anybody that does not agree with them sound like a clack. And again, with the conversation with this friend, when when a point was brought up, she she would go that's one person's opinion. No, it's not one person's opinion about the vaccine maybe having some serious side effects. You're talking thousands of medical doctors. Hundreds and hundreds of people that work with infectious disease. Thousands and thousands of nurses. It's not one. It's actually more than the people that are pushing the agenda. But see how that just gets pushed off. Because you can't convince someone that wants to go to one thing that maybe something else is better. When, when the FDA shut down ivermectin, which I have, and it was no problem to get before it became popular, now you can't get it, hardly. Hox, uh, chloroquine, forget about it. Now, it became clear after Joe Rogan that the monic- monoclonal infusions just pretty much wiped COVID out when you took them, along with some steroids now the FDA's come out a week ago and it's now made that where if a doctor wants to prescribe that there's a chance he's gonna lose his license and and I'm sitting here and I'm looking at all this going this is pure insanity it's pure insanity and for what for money and power because I can look at the nature of the people that are pushing one thing Vax only they don't want to hear about natural immunity they don't want they don't the, you go to a hospital they don't treat you I hate to bust someone's bubble they're not allowed to treat you because the hospitals gonna be in trouble the doctor can lose his license now you would want to think that doctors would do the right thing but there again what is the nature they got all that money in that medical degree, they're they're just like everybody else, making a living, and now it can just be gone because they help a stranger. But that's the new world that we live in. We all hear about the VAR system. When you look at it, 13,000 people in America have died from COVID. Just COVID, not gunshots, not train wrecks, not car wrecks, not cancer, not from heart attacks, not from all these other comorbidities, but from COVID, it's 13,000. On an average year, 70,000 people die from the flu. But still, I, I just don't know what it how much data does somebody need before they will at least question what they believe now the reason I said are you a a bee or a fly because I think the important point is you can be the fly just as well as you can be the bee I have no doubt about that whatsoever and what I mean by that is you can believe things that are not true and you can believe it to your core And then when you have information that comes in front of you that completely contradicts that, you just completely ignore it because now your identity is set up in that. Mm. I mean, I've heard several Democrats say they don't want to take their mask off because they don't want to be confused with a Trump supporter. Mm. How asinine is that? It just doesn't make any sense. Now, I want to play something that see here comes from the DOD's own database. These are true numbers that no one thought was ever gonna get out this is from average age of 18 to probably 30 35 at the highest so what is that uh, 25 years old guys that are in good physical health they're not obese uh, you know they have a decent immune system because they're in the dirt and they're playing with stuff that blows up all the time and um, you know they're not the cleanest when you go to the field. So.
1: And only medical providers can okay. input information. Wait a minute, I messed that
0: up. Okay, I want you to listen to this. <laughs> yeah, there's music in the beginning.
1: On January twenty fifth, two thousand twenty two, Thomas Wrenz, the attorney for doctors Peter Chambers, Teresa Long, and Samuel Sigalov. ...testified before Congress regarding data leak directly from the Defense Health Agency's Defense Medical Epidemiology Database, otherwise known as DMED. Within DMED exists the Defense Medical Surveillance Systems, DMSS, which contains up-to-date and historic data on diseases, medical events, and data on DOD personnel. The database is similar to VAERS, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System but it's distinct in that it only applies to DOD personnel, and only medical providers can input information into the system. Upon inspection, we can see that information has been gathered from a five-year average of dozens of diseases and medical disorders. Myocardial infarction, or a heart attack, rose 269% in a 10-month period from January to November of 2021, From 612 cases to 1,650. Pericarditis rose 175% from 589 cases to 1,029. Myocarditis rose 285% from 127 cases to 363. Pulmonary embolisms rose 467% from 746 cases to 3,489. Cerebral infarction, Bell's palsy, immunodeficiencies, ITP, menstrual irregularity, MS, neoplasms, non-traumatic subarachnoid hemorrhage, spontaneous abortion or miscarriage, all rose at least 250% or higher. some cases, 350%. Disseminated intravascular coagulation, a rare and serious condition that disrupts your blood flow due to a blood clotting disorder that can turn into uncontrollable bleeding, rose 1,175% from 7 to 87 documented incidents. HIV, which often leads to AIDS, rose 590%. From 454 cases to 2,681. Chest pain, which averaged 4,892 reported incidents from 2016 to 2020, rose 1,529.
0: Now, all those guys were after the vaccine was administered to healthy military DOD people. You're not going to hear that on the news. You're not going to hear Dr. Fauci talk about that. CNN is not going to report this. I doubt Fox will report it. But if someone talks about it, they're automatically dismissed. But at what point... Seriously, at what point? How much information and just a little bit of common sense or people are people going to start questioning the insanity that's going on with pushing an experimental drug on the world's population that you can't sue for. Down the road your insurance company may not even help you because you volunteered to take an experimental drug. The companies that are making it are making, I think, between Pfizer and Moderna, it's close to a hundred billion dollars above normal, and they're not responsible for one single adverse effect that people have from this. That alone should tell you. Maybe, just maybe. We need to think a little bit before we start jabbing this in our children. You can go to DuckDuckGo and start looking up. Don't go to Google. Go to DuckDuckGo and just Google miscarriages, stillbirths, and deformations of of babies since the mothers took the vaccine. I mean, it's heartbreaking. It's not a little increase, it's a huge increase. Hospitals that are used to seeing five or six of something really weird going on are seeing over 100. I don't know what it's gonna take for grown men and women to learn to think rationally, to question. Just because somebody has a degree does not make them God. And no matter what an expert says, if you keep looking at something, like someone that's got 14 kids and they use a condom every time, you're going to go, maybe something's wrong with the condoms. Our condoms don't work. I need to find a different alternative to birth control. But we're not doing that because it's turned political. It's turned You've got the bees and you've got the flies. I don't think I'm going to fly on this one. And I don't th- know how to convince other people. And I'm, I'm just not worried about convincing people anymore. People took them because they were scared for the most part. Doctors took them because they were told to tell people to take them, even though the doctor didn't give it to you because they would be held responsible. That's why you go to Walgreens and places like that. I mean, the whole thing is so fishy that it's crazy. Everything that can keep people from getting really sick from COVID has been taken off the market. But still, we sit there and we go, yeah, but the the people in the white labs on MSNBC says it's safe and effective. Now they can't even say it's safe and effective. Even though Pfizer, the CEO's come out and said, even though you've got two shots in a booster, you need another one because the first three just don't seem to be doing anything. So we're still trying to pass laws forcing people to get a vaccine so they can keep their job and they can go to the movies. What we need in this country is some logic. Not people that just want to be on certain sides of issues because you don't get anywhere that way. Now I want to switch topics here real quick on something about fitness. Uh, I'm reading a book uh, that I actually read back when I was in high school, which I probably bought at a bookstore if you can believe they had those. Uh, and it's called Heavy-Duty Training by Mike Mentzer. And there's several things in this book that were very eye-opening to me, and I want to talk about just one of them today, and I'll probably talk about another one next week. I love to train. I train five, six days a week. I train for about an hour and a half I enjoy the way it makes me feel. I enjoy how I feel afterwards. I enjoy how I kind of feel the next day. It's enjoyable to me. Now to someone that just can't understand that, that's not gonna make any sense to you. But I enjoy training. I enjoy being stronger. I enjoy putting on some muscle. It's, it's, it's fulfilling. in in some type of way, and I quite don't understand it, but it's just like people that get runner's high, I guess. So you train a lot, because you like it. And you train, if you're you're trying to build muscle, his book is completely different from anything else that I've read. Now, at the gym that I go to up here in uh, Rockwood, uh, Roco, I go there a couple of days a week just to be around people, get on some different machines and stuff like that. The owner and one of the guys that I know there are doing an Arnold Schwarzenegger program. And so, what they're doing is like, if they're doing bench press, they're doing their first set is 30 repetitions, second set is 12 then ten, then eight, then six. That's what? Five sets. Then they do that, repeated that on the incline press. Then they repeat that on incline flies and then flat flies. That is a ton of volume. That's just for the chest. That's a two, two and a half hour workout if you're humping. And I have no doubt you are pumped out of your mind when you get done with that, and you're exhausted. Now Mike Mincer with with the heavy duty program does high intensity the same way that DeLorean uh, Yates, uh, Mr. Olympia, back when I was, I guess that would have been right when I got out of high school maybe, Mr. Olympia. He was one of the first of the mass monsters that were just 265 pounds of solid muscle ripped. And he did a thing called HIIT training, which is the opposite of Arnold Schwarzenegger. He'd only work out for 45 minutes, four days a week. And he used high intensity. And one of the things the book really separates is high intensity has to be done short because you just don't have the energy to do it for two hours. And if you're doing workouts like Arnold Schwarzenegger did, you're doing a whole lot of endurance-type training and a lot of uh, pump work, blood work. You know, you feel really good. But are you really causing your body to adapt? Besides the endurance part, because if you're doing ten sets of different bench presses and then ten more sets of different flies, that's twenty sets. There's no way to really, really push all those sets. It's impossible if you actually push them. And one of the points in the book that really set me back on my heels, and I read it like five times, and it's one of these things when you read it, it's like, how come I've never thought of this? A person starts lifting weights. Now, when you first start, you have a thing called newbie gains, like a beginner's gains. And pretty much whatever you do, you're going to put on muscle. Uh, You you do three sets of uh, 10 reps or four sets of 10 reps, you do full body workout, you do power lifting you do crossfit you do, it doesn't really matter your first year if you've been you know not into fitness at all and you start lifting weight you're going to put on probably if you eat a halfway decent diet 10 pounds of muscle that first year maybe 12 10 pounds and that's a radical change to your appearance and it's a radical change to your strength 10 pounds 12 pounds but after that first year things kind of slow down because the more muscle you put on, unless you're going to be using steroids, the closer to your genetic potential, whatever that is, you get closer to that every year as you add more muscle mass. So it slows down. And his point is, if you're working out the way Arnold did, and if you go back and you can look up on Netflix, Pumping Iron, they worked out three to four hours a day, six days a week. I mean, that's like 20 hours a week. Maybe that's 22 hours. I should have did the math. 20, 20 to 22 hours a week. That's that's a dang part-time job. Lifting weights. To gain What? A quarter pound of muscle a week that's four ounces guys four ounces now the, the way that my brain works because I make animal sense is I know what a four-ounce jar is I know what four ounces is it's not very much so let's say that you're 220 pounds And you're in there busting your butt for 20 hours a week and you're holding a four ounce jar of new gained muscle that you get to put on your body. If you were to spread that with a butter knife, you wouldn't be able to coat your chest and back with it because it's not enough. And I'm talking just to smear it on like paint. It's not that much. Now, if you could keep producing 12 pounds of muscle a year, think about in 10 years, that means if you started at 200, you would be 320 pounds of solid muscle. And then whatever fat you had. But no one's walking around in 10 years, unless you're just like geared out of your gourd, 320 pounds rip muscle. And Mike Mincer's concept is if you're only going to gain four ounces a week, if everything goes right and your diet's good, and you're causing your body to adapt, do you need to work out an hour and a half, two, three hours a day, five, six days a week? And I think the answer, when you logically and rationally look at that, is no. For one, you're not going to be able to continually add 12 pounds of muscle a year. Like I said, you'd weigh 320, 330 pounds of solid muscle. So it's actually probably less than 4 ounces a week which would give you a pound of muscle. And again, if you spread a pound of muscle, think about a 16 ounce jar, you could spread that on you with a butter knife and probably not even cover your whole body if it was butter. So it's not that much. Well, how do you gain muscle? You have to do something that causes your body to adapt. Without adaption, your body has no reason to grow muscle. None. Now, you're taking your first year, or maybe year and a half, out of the equation. If you're curling 50-pound dumbbells this year, and you're still curling 50-pound dumbbells next year, with the same tempo, with the same reps, with everything, your biceps have no reason to get any bigger. If you're benching 225 for three years in a row, 10, 12 reps, your chest and shoulders and triceps have zero reason to get any bigger or any stronger because you're not asking it to adapt. When you ask it to adapt, it adapts, which means you have to push that to a point. that is above and beyond what you've done before. Now that doesn't necessarily just have to be weight. It could be better control of the set, it could be more, uh, more reps, it could be uh, different techniques on building intensity. There's all kinds of different ways to do that. It just doesn't have to be weight. But for a quarter pound a week for twenty hours, his whole premise is you don't need to work work that much to grow muscle. Now, one thing about Mike Mincer, if you go look him up, uh, he's passed away. I mean, he was he was a big deal back in the late seventies, early eighties. One of the few bodybuilders to ever get a perfect score at a competition from judges was. Uh, not as big as guys are today because guys didn't take chemicals the way that they take today. They took them, but not like today. He got where the last several years that he was working out was probably 20 to 30 minutes four days a week and was a professional winning bodybuilder. Which, the reason I'm bringing this up A lot of people think that you have to dedicate your life to lift weights to get any results. And I'm telling you guys, that is not true. 30, 40 minutes a day is probably more than you need to do. Now, I'm playing around with this concept right now. And I did a workout yesterday for chest and back. And what I started with back, and I got warmed up, and I did a I like I did a very high to my chest, leaning back type uh, lat pull down, but it wasn't for my lats. It was basically for my rear delts and middle middle upper back. Once I got warmed up on that, I did one really hard set completely to failure where I couldn't move the bar. And then I did three other back exercises with no warm-up. To failure. So my whole back exercise, which used to take an hour to do, I actually did in 12 minutes. And I'm sore as crap today. Then I did chest. I warmed up on flat bench dumbbells and when I got up to 90 pound dumbbells, just making sure everything was loose, I did a set completely to failure. I turned around and used the big green bands I get from west side. I got uh, set down on a bench with the bands way above me, and I did almost like a uh, decline press with these big heavy bands, and I did one set till I could not move my chest anymore. That's all I did for chest and I'm sore today. Two sets. Two sets. Now what I was doing before this was I'd work up on a bench press. I would go to like a barbell. I would go up to something like uh, 315, 345. I'd drop back down to 275. uh, Rep out as many as I could. Then I would do some some flies with the bands and then I would do some incline dumbbell presses or something like that and maybe some uh, push-ups on a bar just to get a really good pump or maybe some dips but you're talking 45 minutes to an hour using this technique I did a whole workout where I probably only lifted uh, between taking, and uh, not, not counting, just taking rest was 35 minutes, also did traps, and I did reverse hypers. 45 minutes. So if someone says you don't have time to build muscle, you could just pick a muscle a day, once you go through the beginner's phase, and you could just do two or three sets to failure, once you warm up, and you're done. 15 minutes. Now the trick to this which I want to get more into later is if you're going to go to failure you have to give yourself time to recover. So keep that in mind. So if you're going to try this I would suggest you wait about 4 days before you do it again. Because you can, because what you're actually doing is is forcing your body to adapt. But if you don't allow your body to recover, is no way that you're going to actually build muscle. You're just always going to be going backwards. So you don't want to do that. So if you're interested in shorter workouts that seem to be more productive with a whole lot less time, but I'm not going to say it's easier because going to failure is hard you you could you could work out 30 minutes a day and be done with it and that's what this gentleman was doing as a professional bodybuilder winning professional bodybuilding shows and he wasn't weak either because when you force yourself to do this you also get stronger Which to me is more important than just looking like you're strong. So keep that in mind. Don't let time be an excuse. You just have to be smarter than the average gym goer that thinks you've got to work out for hours and hours and hours. And I will talk to you all next week.